Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Welcome. I'm your host, Marty Caldwell, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We are on the road with Let's Talk Adoption, broadcasting from beautiful city, San Antonio, Texas. So we're so glad to be here. I'd like to also remind you to visit our Let's Talk Adoption uh, website and sign up for our weekly new reminder by email. And uh, you can also find many adoption resources as as well as a calendar about events uh, about adoption. Uh, If you're already parenting through adoption um, or you hope to reunite with a birth parent or seeking international domestic adoption, there's a lot of resources there for you too. And if you have any questions you'd like to send me, please do so um, at email. My email address is info at letstalkadoption.com, and I'll answer your questions on upcoming shows, too. Today's topic is the risk and promise of international adoption, and my guest is Dr. Ira Chesnoff, MD, and uh, he's the president of the Children's Research Triangle and a professor of the clinical pediatrics at the University of Illinois College of Medicine in Chicago, and he's one of the nation's leading researchers uh, in the field of maternal drug use during pregnancy, and the effects on the newborn, infant, and child. He has received numerous awards um, on his work with high-risk children and women and families. He's also co-authored this wonderful book, Risk and Promise, a handbook for children, uh, parents adopting um, internationally. So we're really pleased to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's it's great to have you here. You know, I've got a lot of questions to cover in in 30 minutes, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this. How did you first become involved with adoption, if you could briefly share that with us? Purely by accident. Really? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, My background is in running programs for children that are at high risk from Mm -hmm. a variety of difficulties. We began getting uh, children referred to us from the Illinois Department of Children and Family Mm -hmm. Services that were going through disruptions. That Mm -hmm. is, the families wanted to give the children back Mm -hmm. to the state. And uh, after just doing a few of those cases, I said, whoa, wait a minute. You know, is there something we can do before it gets to this point? Mm-hmm. So we began offering evaluations of children uh, with behavioral or, or mental health difficulties prior to the point of parents getting to the point and of disruption. so that's how you came into yeah. involved with it. That's super. And it just kept moving back and back. Great. So you've been doing this for some time. <laughs> uh, about 30 years. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of celebrities in the news um, adopting. Do you believe that um, the topic adoption is gaining more interest in the, in the public side? I think there are a number of reasons for that. Um, I think, actually, the... the the surge in adoption was there before the celebrities discovered it, mm-hmm. and they've kind of underpinned the importance. I think more and more families are opening themselves to the idea of, even when they have biological children, uh, ready to bring other children into their homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think we were ahead of the celebrities on that one. Right, exactly. They just get the media. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, you know, from your viewpoint, I do want to ask you this. Um, what many people are looking at international adoption and domestic adoption, FAS adopt, kinship adoption. What do you feel is the most pressing issue uh, in the area of adoption today? Because this is evolving. We're seeing you know, a lot of changes in adoption. But what do you think is the most pressing? I think the most pressing problem is getting people to understand whether their parents adopting or their professionals working with Uh, the families that we're talking about real-life children. Mm -hmm. We see so many statistics. We see so many charts and graphs, and everyone talks about risk when 
and the tendency is to forget that these are real live children, right. and we have to meet their needs rather than our own needs as mm -hmm. we form our new families. Right, and I've always said too that the child is our client. You know, that's really important. I think we all need. To I think that, that gets too. lost, and I think so too. We have to kind of just regroup from that too. Um, I know we both agree that education is key um, for adoptive parents as far as ongoing education for adoption professionals. Um, and preparing parents for, you know, the, the parenting of children adopted international with maybe different issues, too. How does your book, you know, you've got this wonderful book, and this is the whole title of our program today, which is uh, Risk and Promise, a handbook for parents adopting a child from overseas. How does your book address um, this ongoing educational need for families? Well, we put this together um, Realizing that the best adoption is the well-educated, well-informed mm -hmm. adoption. When we do pre-adoption consults, whether it's domestic or international, uh, we are not there to tell the parents whether they should adopt or not, mm -hmm. but to give them the kind of information they need to make that kind of decision. Right. And that's what this book is, after years of experience of doing this, bringing the high points together. We want it to be a very small quick read mm -hmm. that parents could t read ahead of time mm -hmm. and then take with them overseas. And the back of the book has mm -hmm. all sorts of uh, checklists and kind of guides. Mm -hmm. You know, families, especially with international adoptions, get overseas and they fall in love. Mm -hmm. You see your child, you fall in love. Mm -hmm. And so this, through the eyes of love, you know, mm -hmm. looking at the child and trying to understand what's going with, on with the child. So then they can call their agency or their physician back in the states and say here's what I see right and so this there are, are charts and graphs to help guide them through mm -hmm. asking the right questions right. well this is I think is very important and I know I encourage people to read as much as you can ahead of time um, you know as you probably know too more people spend time planning a remodel on their home or their vacation okay. than they do their own adoption well, or and planning their plane trip and you know where they're going to land and, and it's the logistics yes. rather than the child. This is a very easy book to read, too, and it talks about, um, you know, um, RAD and weight gain and height and uh, family history and getting that information. So this would be a great book also for gifts uh, to give anybody you know adopting internationally. And, you know, you've done research for your book. What did you learn during the process that maybe surprised you? What type of things did you, when you were doing the research, you know, um, many times something pops up and you go, gee, that, that's amazing. Well, what, I, I think the most surprising uh, was when we started analyzing our data, we see about 1,000 children a year in our program, wow. all of whom are either in the foster care or adoption systems. Mm -hmm. So we, we, it's, a very, it's a, a very clear niche. Mm -hmm. and when, so we have a huge database. And when we began to analyze data, comparing international versus domestic adoption, mm -hmm. well, let me step back, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The reason we did that I was always getting calls, you know, should we adopt domestically or internationally? Mm -hmm. Now, I can't tell anybody that, mm -hmm. but then I started wondering, I don't know, should people adopt domestically or internationally? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you hear so many negative things about international adoption, so we turned to the data. Mm -hmm. And when we analyzed the data, we found that the rate of mental health disorders, long-term behavioral problems, mm -hmm. academic problems, occurred at the same rate whether the child was adopted domestically or internationally. Interesting. And so that would be out of foster care versus international. Right. So, so that was a surprising thing that you had found out and very Absolutely. interesting. I was 
Yeah. I was actually surprised, but that's what research is all about. Well, you know, that's you one of the things I'm going to bring up, too, are what are some of the myths that parents have as far as uh, about international adoption? Um, because they have misconceptions, myths, and, um, and that's part of things we want to dismiss so that people can make that decision. I think the most common myth that comes to our doorstep is parents come in with the child that they adopted, and they say, we thought with enough love and enough church, everything would be okay. Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and why we see readopts. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important to get this information out. Mm-hmm. Now, there are, and there are stories on, you know, there are all sorts of myths and stories on either side, but I think that's the main thing we have to address and to tell parents not to go into an adoption without the right information. Mm-hmm. And if you're working with an agency that won't give you or can't give you the right amount of information and what you need to know, mm-hmm. find another agency. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, don't let anybody push you into anything you're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. You've got to feel comfortable with your professional because uh, you're in a relationship with them. And if you don't feel that you have a good relationship with them, it will really affect the, um, the quality of your adoption process and the experience you have, too. So I think it's, it's wise to look around, interview them, um, because they're going to be um, with you and see the good and the bad. I always tell people that I see the ugly and I see the best in people when they're adopting because the most stress, you get a phone call in the middle of the night, are oh. you going to get cussed out? Yeah. <laughs> are you going to get praised? <laughs> and so it's really important that people know yeah. that. Um, you know, we're going to take a real quick break here. and we come back, we're going to go ahead and continue more um, with this wonderful topic on the risk and the promise of international adoption uh, with our um, our guest today, Dr. Ira, and uh, his wonderful book. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Break, break, break. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's go ahead and do that. Um, um, honey, my husband's my cameraman. Um, how, many, many, how many minutes did I go? We usually have my technician in the other room. Two minutes short. Okay, so I have a little bit more. Okay, okay so I come back from break. You guys see this all time. I was like hoffing and... <laughs> Okay, so this is great. Um, okay, okay, we're going to come back then. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell with KFIA AM 710. If you've just joined us, um, today we're sharing from San Antonio, Texas. We're on the road with Let's Talk Adoption, and we're speaking today on the risk and promise of international adoption with Dr. Ira Chasnoff, MD, and he has a new book that has just come out, a wonderful book, uh, the Risk and Promise. It's a nice, easy-read handbook um, for anybody considering adoption internationally. And, and I, I think a lot of the information on here, too, can be used for domestic adoption. And before we continue, where can listeners find your book, Doctor, um, and uh, The Risk and Promise? Um, because it's a really nice handbook. It'll be available in bookstores, but the easiest, fastest, least expensive way to get to it mm-hmm. is uh, through our website, www.ntiupstream.com. Com. And uh, when you log in and, and find the book, you'll also find that there is an accompanying post-test. So if the parents, after reading it, come back to the mm. website, fill out the post-test, they get two hours aligned with the Hague accreditation for um, uh, the hours that they need Wonderful for adoption. Great. And is your book written more for the layperson or for both, uh, for professional and lay? Yeah, that's interesting. We, we wrote this. This book is written for the parents. Mm-hmm. It's also written for the adoption professionals, many of whom are not physicians, of course, mm-hmm. and so it's written for people to understand it. 
But we had several families. We had lots of people reviewing it ahead of time as we wrote. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes I start falling into doctor language mm -hmm. and nobody knows what the heck I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Uh, and professionals, physicians who read it, found things that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's another... May I bring up a, an sure, issue? Sure, yes. <laughs> there are a lot of physicians out there who are good, board-certified pediatricians, but they don't necessarily know the mm -hmm. issues of international adoption. Right. Especially when you get into intricacies like hepatitis C mm -hmm. and uh, early neglect and attachment disorders. And so be sure, you know, if you're a parent beginning to go through this, find a physician mm -hmm. who can help you through knowledgeable eyes. And that has experience in that. And I think the best way you can do that is ask other people in your community and groups that have adopted from maybe the same country and you get a, a referral. And don't be afraid to go to one or two physicians and uh, do an interview prior to you traveling to your country because um, it's really important you have that confidence. When you come home, you've got a relationship with this pediatrician already and they know about um, you know your, your situation and your issues dealing with because they've done it before too. And I think that's important. Um, I have a couple questions here too. You know, what are the most common questions adoptive parents ask when they're um, when they're adopting internationally? You've you've, you've spoken to so many people. Uh, the most common, the two most common areas that we run into problems with are number one, the issue of fetal alcohol syndrome, mm -hmm. and it really varies by country. But there is no country that is safe from having the child being mm -hmm. exposed. Uh, and so that's one huge area. And the other area is around the infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. Hepatitis B is common, uh, but on the rise and of most concern, I think, is hepatitis C, which mm -hmm. is a relatively new form of hepatitis, mm -hmm. but it can have life-threatening results long-term for the child. And, you know, I did notice you had a big chapter, which is really nice to see and refreshing because that's an area that a lot of people aren't concerned with. But you also mentioned, I'm just going to go off on here just a little bit, your hepatitis C doesn't necessarily mean if the birth mother has hepatitis C, that the child is going to have hepatitis C. Right, and again, and this comes back to what a lot of physicians didn't know until they read this book. A hepatitis C positive screen on the baby, there's still only a 5% chance the baby's infected. Right. There's a 95% chance he's not. And there's a series of follow-up tests you have mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. over time that will tell you whether he's truly infected or so not. So if a family flies to another country and they find out that the child has hepatitis C, um, you know, we don't want people just leaving and saying, I'm not going to take this child, because we yeah. see that here in, in the United States also. Is there a fear that they should have or just have knowledge about it? They certainly need to be aware that if the baby is hepatitis C positive, there mm -hmm. is that 5% chance. Mm -hmm. Now, the next step is they need to gather information and call their, their health care professional, the physician they've been working with mm -hmm. from overseas. Don't wait till they come back home, mm -hmm. but call from overseas mm -hmm. and ask that question. And that's probably the most common question I get in the middle when the phone rings in mm -hmm. the middle of the night. Right. Um, but... Uh, there are a lot of different issues that can tell you the level of risk. Mm -hmm. But if the baby's hepatitis C positive, you must get more information and, and, you and said, talk about this. And you said testing there in the country, but come back and have the baby tested again Absolutely. Uh, when you're here in the United States, which is really key, too. Yeah. We, um, we do find some babies that were negative overseas and test positive here. Right. And as we've seen with uh, HIV, too. Yes. Um, I've got a question. In your book, uh, you know, your title says, The Risk and Promise. And when I first saw the title, I went, ooh, because I, you know, I, I, I want to be positive about everything. But you know what? There is a risk. So let's share a little bit about 
what, when you came up with your title, the risk, um, and what do people have to be aware of? Just, because I'm going to talk about the positive in just a moment, too. Yeah. I think the, the risks fall into two or three key areas. One risk is overall development. And that's pretty easy to look at. When you see the child uh, for the first time or when you get the records, you're going to be able to judge where the baby is from motor development, Mm -hmm. language development. And quite honestly, even if the child's delayed, good early intervention services can address those things. And so Mm -hmm. I don't worry. If a baby's really motorically delayed, Mm -hmm. unless he has a sign of something like cerebral palsy, Mm -hmm. I'm not too concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, The second area is uh, general health. And I've already talked about some of the general health Mm -hmm. issues. But the third area, and we can often address those things, Mm -hmm. the third area, the one that's the most difficult, is the early emotional development. Mm -hmm. And I'm very concerned about ongoing long-term implications for attachment. Mm -hmm. And that's where, when I'm asked to do pre-adoption consults, Mm -hmm. we go through the medical stuff, but that's where I really spend a lot of time with families, trying to help them understand their, if their, their commitment that's going to have to be there if they bring this child in, what you do from the moment you make contact with that child to, to really promote that child's attachment. It's crucial. A child needs one parent mm-hmm. who thinks that he is just the most wonderful thing there is. Mm-hmm. And there, there are words you can use. And I'm going to bring up a really touchy topic. Um, you know, it's stay-at-home moms for a while. Yeah. And let's talk about that with domestic adoption. Um, how important that is, is that for people to really plan in advance financially to be able to stay home? I tell our parents, I'm very straightforward with them, and I, it's in the book also, that if they're going to be adopting internationally, that baby should not have another babysitter, should not, and this hurts me to say because I'm a grandfather, but even grandma should not be staying with that baby for the mm-hmm. first six months. The first six That months. baby needs to mm-hmm. make that attachment, and it can be either parent. Mm-hmm. And so what we work out ahead of time is the parents decide who's going to work when as long as one of the adoptive parents mm-hmm. is with that child at mm-hmm. all times. We also recommend uh, too that you know each of us have our own forums and I know when I adopted uh, my son had been with his birth family for five weeks so when he came home I wore the same nightgown night after night cuddling holding him so he could get used to that that uh, my own scent and not his birth mother's because then she didn't have he didn't have her voice and her her heartbeat or anything else and I'll tell you what I think it made a big difference in the bonding so I tell people to not discard the children's things their teddy bears and things like that or whatever they came with um, but to have some familiarity, including yeah, that. I like skin-to-skin contact, too. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. Um, and one more, on the positive note, um, you, because you talk about the promises, so, you know, parents moving forward in international adoption, what are the promises that you are talking about? The promise is that treatment works. Mm-hmm. So many parents are afraid to address the real issues that they avoid the child doesn't get the right services he needs. The most important thing they can do when they get back, immediately have a good medical evaluation, and there's a list in here, a checklist of all the medical tests the child should have. That's the easy part. And then we usually like to see the child or wherever the family is. They need to find a center that can address both the medical and the psychosocial, the emotional aspects, mm-hmm. and get a good evaluation six to eight weeks after arrival. Mm -hmm. Because we start attachment therapy, we start sensory integration therapy, all the kinds of therapies we use. Mm -hmm. We start in a newborn period all the way through adolescence. And so no matter what age you adopt the child, there are treatments that work 
but you've got to get the child access to those treatments. And I think it comes back to is really plan out your adoption well because um, I encourage families to save as much money ahead of time that they can when they're, before they adopt so they can take that time off. Figure out a way to make money out of your home and just spend a lot of time and don't listen to those old wife tales. You know, I, I breastfed my adopted son and Evelyn said, oh, you know, he's, you're going to get brain cancer or something. And, and, and I'll tell you what was the best bonding for us. And, um, but if I had listened to all those people, I wouldn't have had that time to bond with my son and I think it really helped. Um, but Can we, go ahead. I'm sorry. Can we talk about listening to other yes. people? Yes. Don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I and, and something that pops up is this whole thing about letting the baby cry at night. You mm-hmm. know, whether mm-hmm. you know, parents get very confused. And so I give my family's permission to tell grandma that it's the pediatrician's fault. He said, yes. you don't let a baby cry at night. Right, exactly. So that's, you know, it's, they get all sorts of bubamizal. You know you, what, and I believe you do what you feel is right. And my right. kids cuddle in my bed. We're, in fact, we're just going from a king size to a queen size now because now all four of them are too, right, too big. But, you know, put the kids in bed with you. And I'll tell you what, cuddling, especially at the beginning, and if they sleep on a mat, then you need to learn to sleep on a mat too uh, for a while and get used to that. But yeah. I think um, really accepting the children where they are and bringing as much into their, their environment to let yeah. them, because they're seeing things. I remember interviewing a, a, a guest on my show, and the child was screaming because he had never seen ice before, and his mother gave him a glass of ice water. And he screamed because he had never seen ice cubes before. And we just don't think about that. What we try to help parents understand is that their key role is to read the inner life of their child. Mm-hmm. And if you, when you get to the point that you can read the inner life of your child, you're a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, we have just a few more minutes left before the program is done, but um, I'd like to briefly talk about, uh, we talked about growth patterns too, and I know in here you have actually a, a sketch of what to look for in fetal alcohol. Um, is there anything else that, that you find that people need to be aware of? In fetal alcohol, we talked about um, drugs. What are some of the other substances in, in, in different countries, and they, do they pertain to all the countries? Uh, no. Alcohol you find most commonly in the former Soviet Union, mm-hmm. in South Korea, uh, South Africa. Um, you'll find heroin more commonly uh, coming out of the, the other opiates, Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, China. Mm-hmm. So, and then South America, you'll, you'll, we have children exposed to cocaine. It's going to vary. Uh, the book covers, you know, briefly, but gives you some general ideas of the kinds of things to look for, for around each of these drugs. But mm-hmm. I don't worry about that part so mm-hmm. much. Um, it's the really alcohol is the main thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Is it watching for that, too. Yeah. Overall, do you feel international adoption is improving? I think professionals are getting more professional, mm-hmm. which means that parents are getting more uh, reliable information. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Internet is good and bad, and in one sense, there's so much information on the Internet that's bad. can't believe everything. <laughs> that's why... The family has to work with professionals that know what they're doing. Right, and I really believe that. It's like doing your own brain surgery. This is not an area you want to, to uh, skimp on. You want a really good adoption professional that knows and has plenty of time, too. Well, Dr. Chesnoff, thank you so much for being on Let's sure. Talk Adoption. It's been a pleasure, and I really believe that the information you shared today will help people, too. Good. And I would like to invite you to send your questions in to me at info at letstalkadoption.com. And I want to encourage you, if you're pursuing adoption, there is a child for you. I've been where you have been, and I know that this is true. So until next time, this is Marty Caldwell with Let's Talk Adoption. Have a wonderful week, and God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank Thanks. You.
Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.